Hey, it's Dana Schuler. I'm the host of the Ascend Together podcast. I'm a mama five, your biggest hype girl, and an elopement photographer that loves to talk about the slap in the face and hard on fire moments of life and entrepreneurship. I'm here to help you go beyond the photo and create a purpose filled business. From pep talks, chill chats, and juicy interviews, I am here for you because you can't do it alone. So, this is why we're gonna do it together. Welcome everybody to the Ascend Together podcast. We have a special guest, Kira, on with us, and I'm so excited to have her on because we've, I don't know how long it's been, but we've we've been friends for a while and she's been able to work with a few of my clients to help them hire on employees. And so today we're going to talk all about delegation, who to hire, when to hire, how to hire out so that we can get more freedom back in our business. And I'll just also just expand our impact and our ability of, of greater potential in our business and in our life. So Kira, go ahead and introduce yourself, who you are, what you do, and then we'll, yeah. It's wild to think about how long we've known each other. And now I'm just thinking about how funny it is that you were like, oh, we got to reschedule our first call because I'm going into labor. And we just, before we started recording, your littlest is two. So it's been literal years, which is super cool. And we've gotten to hang out in person. Like, I feel like this is like legit friendship, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Two retreats together. We've got to hang out. (laughs) Oh my God. That is so cool. All over the country. Oh, but yeah. Anyway, I mean, It's to cut to the chase, I guess I am a small business and remote team expert, I guess you'd say. We have an HR consulting agency, really small boutique, helping primarily creative female entrepreneurs with building their teams, managing their teams, and also providing community community for small business owners that have teams. I built my business out of COVID and actually having a break for the first time in my life. And my passion for this really comes from getting to a place in my life and in my career where I was so afraid to delegate that I had a literal nervous breakdown and or mental breakdown, whatever you want to call it, like an actual one, not like a funny TikTok one where I had to like have intervention from my mom, who's a psychiatrist, take Xanax, calm down, be out of work, the whole thing, which eventually led to a diagnosis of PTSD. So all of that came from burnout, which I think is so prevalent in the creative space. And so we help entrepreneurs and small business owners really see the potential for what it's like to embrace building a team and building those relationships in your business and how much it can add to your life and how rewarding it is, but also, you know, make you a lot of money. So there's, <laughs> there's no downfall. It's hard, which is the downfall, but the the upside of it is super. I mean, it's, it's the best thing about owning a business in my opinion. So I think that's said something. <laughs> I love, I, I always love how passionate you are about it because when you hear HR, <laughs> you know? Yep. Like when you hear that, you're like, oh my gosh. Like you're like, run. Or like, you know, did you know, and it doesn't sound fun, but Kira, if you if you hop on her brand, you go look at you know what she does and what, what you're gonna hear on this podcast, she makes it so doable, so enjoyable and fun, even though it can be a hard process. Like we're gonna break down how to make it enjoyable, how to make it fun, how to make it so rewarding, because you're right. It is like a whole other world. It is a whole other world when you're able to break through that ceiling of solopreneurship, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's a whole massive amount of opportunity. Awesome. Okay. So Kira, 
I really want to first dig into when somebody, when you feel somebody is ready to hire or how someone, how someone can assess like when they're ready to hire out. And I, after that, I do want to talk about the differences of who to hire out to, but I kind yeah. of want to start with that. Like, when do you feel like is a good time for somebody to do that? Yeah. I mean, that's such a common question. And I think at the very core of it, I used to say, what? Well, it's when you have a set number of recurring revenue that you can almost always count on for six months straight, whether it's $5,000 or $2,000 or whatever it is, you know, it's always the same, but I think there's another component to it that I still stand behind because whatever it is that you're making, if you can show yourself, you're doing that consistently for three months, six months, whatever, then that's a trigger to take the next step. We're not trying to build teams for forever. We're trying to build them to get to the next level, which is very much dependent on where you are at right now. So I think that's one element of it that's more tactical and tangible, but the other side of it is really understanding what kind of business you want to have. There's absolutely nothing wrong with being a solopreneur. And there's also nothing wrong with being a team of two and having, you know, just one dedicated person there to help and support you. But you may also have bigger dreams than that. And you're not hundred percent sure how to step into those and you kind of have to start somewhere. So either way, it's that kind of impetus or that decision of what, where do I really see myself in this business? Like, am I the one doing everything, but I can offload a couple things here and there to make my life a little easier? Or am I looking to grow to that next step and challenge myself in new ways as a business owner? And just remembering, like, it's not forever. Like your business is going to go into having more people around you to less people around you to experimenting with different offers and things like that if you want it to. But if you just want to keep it consistent and straightforward, there's a way to build support around you that does just that without breaking the bank. So I think that decision is the most important thing. Yeah. What kind of business do you want? Which is, which is so true. And I think specifically for the photography industry, there's such a, because we do a lot of in-person work and there's different aspects of what kind of work we do for people who want to make a certain amount of income, let's say like the six figure range, which a lot of photographers want to book out to that range, right? That's a very typical kind of range for a good income coming in as a, as an entrepreneur. But there seems to be so much in-person work, right? That we have to balance with our computer work as well. And so I feel like photographers are very unique as, as far as like the creative industry, because we have a lot of the in-person stuff as well as the in-home stuff that just kind of takes a different toll on us for sure. in the creative industry. And that's why I think it's so important as we, you know, go through this process of figuring out who we need to delegate to, or when we're ready is really understanding what you're wanting your business to look like, but also like what it's looking like right now, like where, you know, what are we, what, what's happening right now in our business and not to compare it to other creatives that are like a web designer is totally different than a, you know, than some, than another, you know, coach or something. They're totally different businesses and, and formats. So I love that you said that yeah. because we're very different as far as specifically photographers than other creatives. And that's why we can't compare our teams or our, you know, how much work we're doing or like our income from hundred K with a web designer with hundred K with a photographer is so, so different of how we're making that money. Yeah. So I love that you said that. Yeah. I mean, just to kind of piggyback off that and something that I've learned from working with you and your clients is that there's a different type of energy that goes into that actual showing up to that shoot and that creativity behind it and the planning. And there's so many different ways to be a photographer. I mean, just at within your program and your retreat, I know there everybody is completely different. And so their first hires were completely different. And so I think it's really cool. And it's so awesome to be able to embrace that. And instead of being like, 
like frustrated by it or getting into that comparison trap because I mean, we also work with a lot of web designers and the difference is that our photographers are going out there and like expending so much energy mm-hmm. on something that a web designer will get from a questionnaire that's often asynchronous and maybe an hour long call. Yes. So it's like you, the raw material that you're using to create is such a different, it's such a different way to gather it. And if you overlook that energy and you think about it as just an hour photo shoot or whatever, you're going to screw yourself because yes. there's just not enough like it's not an hour it's not an hour of work no like and and I think there's just there's so many photographers this is exactly what I help you all all my clients with is there's so many photographers that don't understand the actual hours and tasks behind each client Mm -hmm. and so when they're like okay I want to make a six-figure business and I want to charge this middle market range or like this low price range and book 40 clients a year like 40 weddings or something and you're like okay well, each of those clients require all these hours of work, right? <laughs> and, and just, we don't know exactly the task or exactly the hours or the projects and the time. And not only that, but the energy behind each and every single client and all the tasks. Behind, and then you're juggling multiple clients at, as, at once. So it just becomes mm-hmm. so big, so fast. And I love how you said, like, it's not just an hour shoot. It's not just a wedding day. Like it is not just that. And we cannot see it as like, Oh, I get paid $5,000 for an eight hour wedding day. How cool. It's like, girl, no, <laughs> like, like, no, no. you're getting paid for all these other amazing things you're doing in your, in your packages and, and supporting your clients. So I love how you said it's not just not just one hour. It's not just, just three, four, five hours <laughs> doing. However, no. you can take that and say, this is just for photographers is that you can take that information and say, well, for you as the business owner, it's not just an hour, but for an employee it is. Yeah. So if you're able to see like, okay, well, Dana's out time is worth a thousand dollars an hour and her employees time, even if they're getting paid top of market for a photographer on location, 50 bucks an hour is still what one twentieth of the cost. So you can start to see how your margins in your business will change even if you just offloaded 10 of those weddings to somebody else and yeah. the energetics behind that. And it's really powerful and really fun because then we get this like great case study with like all this ROI on like bringing a person in and they're just so happy. I don't know. It's just, it's so fun to have people around you that are rooting for the same things you are in your business too. It's like building in your own cheerleading yeah. team. And I want to talk about that since we're already talking about kind of the ORI of ROI around this, because I I just don't think a lot of us see how impactful it can be when we are like to put in perspective, like we are as business owners doing everything at once. And so when we are doing everything at once, solopreneurs, we have our hands in everything. And that means our energy is spread very thin. If we're having like the amount of work we want, we desire, right. Our, our, Our energy is so spread so thin But when we have somebody on, they are very focused on a task and a project and their energy is put towards that. They're not doing all the business stuff. They don't have all that pressure or the, you know, that amount of multitasking in their, in what they're doing. They're, they're doing this specific task. So what they're doing is probably 10 times better than you doing it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. A lot of times. Yeah. (laughs) Because we're, we're as solopreneurs, it's almost like ADHD, right? We're just like, okay, here, here, okay. Oh, I thought of that. I need to go to this. And we're like a million tabs open and we're doing all these projects. And I feel like it just keeps us very, when a lot of us photographers want to go to this higher level, we get so surface level. 
with everything we're doing and we start disconnecting and we're kind of talking about like your story of like burnout where we just like disconnect so much because we have so much to do and so much build in our brain that we cannot, we're not able to go deeper into who we are, into our business, into our impact, because we're just bombarded by all this stuff we're doing. Right. Yeah. So I'd love for you to talk more about that, like the kind of the ROI around like having clients and and kind of perspective shift around that. I kind of explained a little bit, but I know you can give some more examples and stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's such a powerful thing when we work with our clients on a one-on-one basis, my entire purpose is to sit down and build out their organizational plan. And within that is our profit margins and showing what would happen if you had somebody in this role being paid way better than fairly. And even incorporating the cost of having HR compliance and legal and all of these things, you can often get your investment back in the initial you know, cost of bringing somebody in within just a couple of months. And that's not even including your own mental health and well-being. And mm-hmm. I think that the way that you can best measure that is by just being really honest with yourself about, I think Dana, you probably teach this in your program, but your workflows and the time that you're spending. I think that if you want to know the real ROI of an employee, you have to be honest with yourself about how much time you're spending on each individual thing. But the problem is we can't get an ROI because you don't have time to actually track that. So I think you kind of just have to take a leap and take our word for it that businesses aren't built on the back of people as a, as a hobby or as a rule or anything like that, because they can't be built on the back of one person. Any successful business out there that you see is going to have people that are helping push the message and push the, the mission forward. And so when it comes to that ROI, it can be really difficult to tangibly calculate because we have so many business owners, myself included, even to this day, that are not honest about the time that they're putting in on their work. And we can just fit in this Instagram reel over here or fit in that TikTok over there or whatever. But like you said, that depth is starts to really lack, especially mm-hmm. when it comes to creatives and content marketing. So I guess the example that I'm going to give all that was leading to is that if you're a photographer that doesn't want to let go of the creative and the photography and the editing side of your business, there is going to be another side of your business that you probably won't mind that much letting go about. And that depth of knowledge and that depth of understanding and that time that goes into some of those things are actually going to pay off tenfold. So by that, I mean, if you have somebody on your team that's helping you with the client experience, dealing, saying hi to them, dealing with them, getting to know them, making them feel really welcome, helping to research marketing trends, give, shooting you over a real idea that will take you five minutes, arranging your, your task management system for you to give you your priorities each week. This is a very basic part-time job that can pay anywhere from 18 to $25 an hour, depending on how the depth of what they're working with. But what it's doing is it's taking you from being a surface level business owner. And now we didn't say any of those people were showing up to photo shoots or doing editing or anything like that. But now all of a sudden you have this massive depth to your brand because you're posting things on Instagram that are super relevant because they're researched and there's marketing there. You're not feeling so scattered because you know that you have somebody out there that's scrolling TikTok for you and shooting things over that you can create in three seconds. You have somebody out there that can take an idea you have and fully execute it instead of having it just sit in your Canva files. Mm -hmm. And I think to that extent, the depth is really what's going to be lacking in the coming years when it comes to small business owners, because there's so much AI shit out there or crap out there. Sorry. (laughs) But like, there's so much, like you can type, we can go on chat GPT right now and I can say, write me 10 
captions for photographers. And if you want to lead your business in a way that is a little bit more surface level for a while, then copy and paste those captions in there. But you will hit a wall where you're like, why isn't, why am I not bringing in the clients that I wanted to get? You were prioritizing posting 10 things that don't matter instead of taking the time to invest in posting two things that really draw in those clients that are going to book without even having to get on a call with you. So that just saves time across the board. And I think that we need to challenge each other as creatives to make sure that we're going deeper and we're not just embracing the surface level like you talked about. And I think that the only way we can do that as creatives is by having other people in our corner. And oftentimes I think it, it just comes down to figuring out what it is that you really want to be doing in your business and then letting people show you how they can support you and trusting them to guide you and lead you through their own expertise. And that comes from real intentionality on the back end of your business. And I know, I mean, I, I encourage people to hire all the time without having all their workflows and stuff set up, because I think it can be really powerful to have somebody there that's helping finish all of those things for you and put those SOPs in gear. But there's got to be a few things that even just going through your program, they've already got it all set up, like for the most part. So that can be super powerful. And how I want to know how that's kind of affected. And I know this is like not the point, but I know that that's affected your business in the long run is getting those workflows in order. And you're like very known for it. And how has that made hiring and managing your team or your contractors easier over time? Yeah. I mean, I went through just like the delegation process was, I knew I needed to do it because I'm a mom mm-hmm. <laughs> and a business owner. I knew from the beginning of my business, it had to be part of my business, but I hire, I was, I call it the hire and fire cycle. I was in the hire and fire cycle. I would hire, they wouldn't work out Hire, Oh my gosh, they're not good enough. Hire. Okay. I'm babysitting them. And I'm like, what is wrong? How can I find these people? And it would be my fault <laughs> because I was not prepared to hand over. I wasn't the depth of my business, as far as like my understanding of my business, my brand was not where it needed to be as well as like my systems and processes weren't in a place where I just, I did not have enough energy to hand things over. I wasn't ready. And so eventually I did a lot more deeper work with my workflows and everything. And then I did hire someone on to help me continue that growth with that. But that hire was someone that I was looking for specifically. And also I, instead of a contractor, I hired her as an employee, which helped way more. It's just a totally different relationship and really shifted from there. But it was really just that shift I had to make was I need to realize it's my me. It's up to me to set myself up for success, but then the hire up for success and that it takes time. It takes time for me to dig deeper into myself and my business. It takes time for me to trust that person and be patient as I train them and help them understand my business. And that whatever's in my brain, I get because it's in my brain, (laughs) but I have to be able to communicate that effectively to the other person, which is a very difficult thing. And I think most photographers struggle with that is that just communication. I mean, any person that communication to the other person of what you built over years and is just like automated in your brain, you know, things, you understand it. That communication piece is the hardest, but I think my favorite way to communicate things is through systems. When you're able to like really flush your systems out and be able to, that's the simplest way for me, honestly, and for my clients to be able to communicate something is through, you know, building those systems that are really strong to hand over. And I don't think they need to be fully ready to hand it over, but I do think there needs to be some kind of foundation with understanding of your business, but also just something to hand over. That's easy too. And that you have to retrain somebody, right? Yeah. (laughs) It's It's like a language, like you're kind of speaking the same language if you're able to 
to get on the same page. And what's something that can help you guys understand, you know, like speak the same language together. So I always feel like that's like the first, the first real step is that. And then there's like the other depths of communicating and relationships with, with who you hire. That's more rewarding and and can be really fun and exciting. But that's exactly what I walk through my program. We go through the mindset module or the mindset section and the depth section of like pausing. And I actually did a email today about this, but just, we have to slow down. And the thing is the clients I work with are in burnout cycle mode, hustle mode. They've been hustling for years to get to where they are. So they feel like they have to keep doing that to get to where they need to be is like work more, work more, more hours, more tasks, more things. And it's like, we have to slow down to reconnect to our business and who we are. Cause a lot of us have lost that when we're hustling yeah. who we are and then slow down to just like rework our whole business so we can, you know, get to this next level. But yeah, I hope that answered that answer your question. <laughs> yeah. Because I know that there's, yeah, of course. I mean, there's just so much introspection that even I've seen as you've grown and over time and has your business has grown and changed and the ups and the downs and everything is that there's always this really consistent message of you've got to understand your business inside and out. And then you have to put it on paper through your workflows. And I think that as you're building a team, it can feel really hard to do that because if, especially for photographers, we get into, and I say we, like I am one, but just cause like my best friend is one. I'm like, you know how we are, <laughs> but, but like as creatives in general, you know, we get into and CEOs of any business are creatives. So regardless of you know, I may not be like a graphic designer or whatever, but we're designing org structures and we're thinking about things out of the box and we're hiring new types of people and whatever, but it can be really hard to have a foundation in your business. That's so solid. And then have to consider that your personality is something that grows, evolves and changes and your people's are too. So there's no, unless you have something, something rooting you to the goal that you're working for towards together, then what I see a lot of business owners do when they haven't maybe had to manage people before, or they haven't had a team before, or even worked in a big corporate environment and had to navigate through this bureaucracy before is that they'll shy away from having any structure at all because they're like, that's not what I'm doing here. But really what the structure does is it gives you something to stand on so that you and your people can be truly who they are. And then you can find a lot of flex in the activities you're doing every day with what your people are doing every day, with how you're making money by having a team. But if there is no foundation, then everything's built on something shaky. And I yeah. think for some businesses, it the workflows really give that system in which you can all lean on. And there's something there's consistent recurring strategies and hours and workflows that are kind of running in the background. And it creates such a solid understanding of the goals for each week that it actually allows you to be more creative. And we just yeah. don't think that I know my best friend who's a photographer is just, you know, I'm like constantly like, you know, you're burned out because you're not, and she's my best friend. So I can say this, but I'm like, you're burned out because you aren't really doing the things that you like to do with your business. She loves to do like the connection with the people and understanding who they are and the creative side of things and experimentation, but she doesn't have time for any of that. She doesn't have the bandwidth for any of that. Cause every day she's shooting emails to people and posting Instagrams when she needs money. And it's just really stressful. And so she's in a constant state of stress instead of embracing what she's been doing for almost 20 years yeah. and like the, um, I mean, the skill that she has and like the beauty that she brings to the world. And so it's really your job to bring beauty to the world. So freaking get your crap together, girl. <laughs> <laughs> but 
I love what you said, just like we were talking about delegation, how that helps with, you know, going deeper in depth, but with systems, I mean, with systems workflows, I I'm all about support in your business. Like you need support because I know I need that as a mother, like I need as much support as possible. That's why I built it so fast, but we have people support, which we're talking about, but that's why we focus on like system support first, because you're right with the foundation, but it allows you, even though it's can be tedious work. It may not be fun to learn. Some people aren't techie. Like when you do build that out, you know, my clients are able to be extremely creative. Like what they can create is insane. They never thought they could create that. They never thought they can implement that. And they never thought they can serve a client in that way because they're not thinking of like 20 million different things that just, again, it all goes back to the surface level thing of like, I just, there's so many photographers that are in the middle market that are basic, that are just like doing basic things everyone is doing the same exact thing because it's all they feel like they can do, but they really just, we're all just limiting ourselves to what we can do because we're doing everything at once. <laughs> like it's, yeah. it's just, we, we just tell ourselves it's all we can do, but there's, there's so much, there's so much on the other side. Right. And so I do want to talk about, you did make a point of just, there's like this fear of fear of delegation. Like, can you speak to that a little bit? Because I know a lot of my clients and previous clients have this huge fear of delegation and how do you kind of talk to people? How do you like break that down for people who are like, I'm not ready. I'm, you know, I'm not going to be authentic enough. authentic business. If I have somebody else doing this, like those are like big ones that come up with that. Like what, what, how would you speak to that fear? The one, okay. So there's two things. One's funny and one's real. But when I work with male business owners, they don't ask me that. So they're just like, yeah, I got it. I have too much work. Like, what do I do now? Can I, can I give this to someone else? Yes, you can. Okay, great. Who do I hire? How much do they get paid? Okay, cool. I can afford that. I can afford 1200 bucks a month. That sounds great. Let's hire. That's literally like, and truthfully, like when your business gets a little bit bigger, that's exactly how you will think too. There is a means, there's a means to an end and there's a need for the support. And so your job as a business owner is not to provide the support. It's to provide the means to an end. And I think that, you know, zapping all the emotion out of it is is kind of a cheap way to offer advice to business owners that are listening to this because, you know, you'd think, oh, well, Kira just told me, think of this like a man. And it's like, well, no, but like you will get to that place. (laughs) But I mean, I mean, I work with women and the amount of people that tell me they cannot make that much money, they're, they're literally like, that's too much. I can't hire, I just can't scale that big. Like I'd want to yeah. stay small. Yeah. You know how many women are like that? And yeah. it, it, the stark difference, like we do not allow ourselves to grow bigger. We don't believe we're able to, or that we deserve to. Yeah. A hundred percent. I agree. It is so ingrained just in women. Do I, it yourself. Do it yourself. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I think the photography industry, which is a lot more women than men really, really struggle with that. And because there's so many women doing the same thing, it's just, we're all like everything ourselves. And that's just, we feel like we have to do that. But I love that you made that point about how differently men take the hiring. And, and the more, (laughs) especially, and more established, you know, I think of all the points is just the more established female business owners as well. Oh, there's a need for that in my business. Cool. Like let's get after it. Of course, there is mindset things that you have to work through, through every hire of your business. Like I manage 48 people right now outside of my business as a COO and director of operations and HR Mm -hmm. for, well, technically I got promoted to COO 
and it got and my HR title got removed. But I was director of operations in HR in this role for nine and a half years. But now, and I work there once a week and I manage a team of managers and directors and I run my business the rest of the time. And I remember there was actually somebody in my comments one time and they were a photographer. And I don't, I don't think they had worked with you, but they were kind of like putting some of my content like back in my face. Well, I do have, you know, I meet all these characteristics, but I actually can't afford to hire that person. I actually can't afford to spend $1,200 a month, or I actually can't do that. And I live in California. It's totally different. I'm like, ding, 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 me too. Like, it's not that different. The role value is the same, no matter where you live. It's because the job description is built out for the role and the pay is equitable for the role, not where you live. So no, but there was a moment where I was like, if you are answering yes to all these questions of what does it mean to, to how, how do you know it's time to delegate to an employee or, you know, contractor or whatever. And you're still saying I, I can't, then it has nothing to do with the answers that you gave to the questions. It has to do with what you think is valuable. And there, if you are making X amount, let's just say like a really low number. If you're making all every month, you're making $2,000 a month and you don't have time to do your whole job and you aren't Mark, you aren't bringing in new clients all the time and you're, but your clients are giving you rave reviews. And so you want to keep that part of things going. You're still failing at your business because three out of the four things that you're supposed to be doing as a business owner, you're not doing. So Mm -hmm. it's not actually about whether or not you can afford it. It's about the fact that your business isn't set up to be successful. And that either has something to do with the way you're managing your time or the way that you're managing your money, because it's one of two things. And so when it comes down to delegation, it really is a struggle between time and money. And Mm -hmm. the value of your time has to be, you have to believe that it's more valuable. You have to truly believe it in your heart, that it's more valuable to have someone else for $25 an hour doing these tasks for you a few hours a week, or 10 hours a week, or 12 hours a week, or whatever. Those are also you know, they could be an employee or a contractor, which I'm assuming we'll get to for a second in this episode, depending on where you live and laws and things like that. doesn't really matter. 10 to 12 hours a week at 25 bucks an hour. You have to believe that you're worth more than that as the CEO of your business, Mm -hmm. or you will never actually be a CEO of your business. And that's okay if that's what you choose. But what I'm hearing from this person is I want to be a CEO of my business, but I don't actually want to run a business. And to that, I'm saying, I'm, I will be here when you're ready because I'm not here to force you. Like, I'm just here to help you when you decide it's time. And it really sucks because I notice it with women and I don't, at a certain point, we do have to be accountable that the systems are placed against women constantly, women, people of color, all of that. And we also have to be accountable for the fact that we have to be able to shift our mindset into really deserving the success that we're saying that we want. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So might as well talk about I think a big thing is the differences between contractor and an employee and just kind of choosing that and understanding what the differences is, because I feel like, especially in the photography industry, which honestly, I just feel like there's not enough conversation around it is there's so many people that are set up as contractors that should not be contractors because of what I learned from you, Kira, I learned a lot from you. And I'm like, those should not be contractors, but a lot is taught around contracted work. But I want to talk not only about like what, who should you hire, but like the differences and just the differences in like results and in, you know, as far as like relationship and so forth. Yeah. Well, it first and foremost, it does depend on the law of where you live. So while the federal law, which I'm going to mostly speak to today, is still way stricter than the way that many of us are treating our contractors, it hasn't been shared enough in our communities how many people are actually getting in trouble for it. And it is a lot. 
It is a lot of people that are having to go to court, fight with the unemployment department, the Department of Labor, even the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, which is a federal agency, about mistreating and misclassifying contractors. And so the example I'll give for this, and I think it sets a good standard, is that during the pandemic, when that happened, there was a bunch of people who were being misclassified as contractors over years and years and years that suddenly businesses were shutting down, laying off hundreds of people, all of this stuff. And they were being misclassified. So they should have been an employee the whole time. Maybe they worked there part-time 20 hours a week. They weren't working for other businesses. It was their primary job. Some people were even considered full-time contractors, which absolutely doesn't exist. But all the, all of a sudden the pandemic happens, these companies go into massive layoff mode in order to make sure that they can, you know, hopefully open back up. The government took like a month to figure out how they were going to provide aid for us. And here in California, we were saved by our state government because the federal government was doing all kinds of weird stuff. But that is not a typical situation. However, all of those all of those people that were misclassified as contractors were not eligible for unemployment benefits. They weren't eligible for any type of subsidies about health care. They weren't eligible for any type of pandemic relief options. They also weren't considered business owners, so they weren't eligible for any type of PPP loans because they were just contractors. They weren't established businesses. So because they weren't educated on any of that, they would go back to the IRS and say, hey, I actually should have been an employee this whole time because I looked at the ABC test and it looks like I should have been an employee. Mm -hmm. So now not only were they denied these benefits because they were owning their own business being a contractor, but now the businesses that they worked for were now being reported and thousands and thousands of dollars of penalties are issued for back taxes for those people. And those people still didn't get the benefits that they needed. Mm -hmm. So there were some that were able to capitalize on it. But that was one of the reasons, meaning that they were able to get the unemployment and the extra unemployment that was out there and stuff like that. But I mean, back when that happened, of course, it was an event that, you know, was unprecedented and hopefully won't happen again. But it's a really good example of the fact that when you bring employees into your team, even like sub, I don't want to say subconsciously, but as a result of bringing people onto your team, you're paying unemployment insurance, you're paying for them to put towards social security, you're paying for them to have all these benefits that they're entitled to because they work for you and they're dedicated to you. So if we misclassify employees as contractors, we are actually taking away benefits that they're entitled to. And there's really no reason that a contractor would not want to be an employee because some of their taxes are paid and things like that. Unless you as an employer are like, hey, I want you to completely change the way that you've been serving my business and I want you to be available every day at these times and blah, blah, blah. But what I think gets lost is that business owners want to keep things as simple as possible when they're hiring their contractors and they're not considering the contractor's experience, which is essentially putting you into almost a hire and fire cycle because you aren't bringing people in that are committed to the nucleus of your company. Mm -hmm. So instead of bringing people in that are actually building you up and building up your business and understanding you and you're investing time in them and it's a long-term relationship, they can grow with you and therefore expanding the blueprint of your company to be a little bit bigger, each time you add value through your employees, you have these adjacent businesses that are just kind of bubbles outside of your business that you can't control. You have no control over really. You're sinking a lot of money into oftentimes a lot of premiums because your contractors are going to charge you a premium because they have business costs to run, but you may not be getting the same benefit as if you were to hire an agency that's also charging you a premium. That's got all these, like, you know, their super expertise building in all these systems, blah, 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 blah. So there's something to be really said about the ethics behind making sure that you're classifying people correctly and the longevity of your business as a result of taking that seriously. But there's also something to be said about, well, 
yeah, like hiring employees is kind of more steps, but it's also the way that you grow a business. So that's, there's really no, I guess it's just kind of that messy middle of piece where you're like, well, I'm going to have a couple contractors here and there, but you're not really investing in your business at that point. So the, the metaphor, I guess I always give people is if you're not sure if it should be a contractor or an employee, then it's usually a legal question. But for the most part, the IRS provides all of those resources for you. We have blogs about it. We have plenty of legal lawyer colleagues that have blogs about it that can talk to you about all of these things. And especially for wedding pros, I have some great recommendations that I'm happy to share. But there's definitely something that we need to accept as business owners that hiring contractors really is a band-aid on a bullet hole. It's to help you to kind of put some things in place and get some stuff off your plate so that you can hire employees. Mm. They're not something to build your whole business on. And I think when it comes to your first person, you likely need somebody that's going to be a little bit more involved in the day-to-day of your business, which legally is an employee in any state that you're in. So if they're helping you deliver on any of your services or any of your products, or if they're interacting with your clients, or if you expect them to interact with your other team members, they are legally an employee. So when we're talking about contractors, I'm talking about fast-paced, short-term experts, like your coaches. That's an excellent example of a contractor. Or an editor. Yeah. An editor. Exactly. Project-based, a web designer, somebody that isn't helping you deliver on your services, but actually that's in the operations of the day of day of your business. But I mean, we all know that paying our website designers and our brand designers is really important and can elevate Mm -hmm. our business, but it's a totally different way to serve your business than the way that your employees should. And in a service-based people to person to person business, the way photographers are, an employee is almost always going to be necessary, which I think we've learned in working in conjunction with your clients clients, your coaching clients, is that it's really hard to find a place for a contractor in photographers' businesses, especially if you have a tight budget because contractors set the rates, but for employees, the employer sets the rate. What do you want to pay this person and what do you want to get out of them? So I always like make this kind of weird joke, but contractors are easy, come easy, go. You put out a Facebook post. I need somebody to help me with this. Does anyone have a recommendation? Move on with your life, hire them for the thing, check out their contract, you know, move on. Whereas an employee, you're going to sit down and think about what could this person do for me? How do they weave into these workflows? How much time is that going to save for me? And I know you really specialize in that because I've seen you do it in real time. And that's always going to be an employee. If you're trying to like really think about what a job description is going to look like, what kind of person is going to fill this role? That's an employee. Like there's just with contractors, like freelancers, like we got to let them be free. You know, they're running their own business. (laughs) So it's really like the same way that I would hire a photographer. Like I'm not hiring a branding photographer to come in and answer all my emails every single day. No, Like that's, that's totally not my, you know, their area of expertise. Like I'm paying a premium for you as a photographer to come in and give me this beautiful, amazing result based on what you already know. If I had to tell you how to do it, then I would hire an employee and I would train them how to take photos and then they would do it. But that's not really the same situation that we see out there, especially in creatives, because to be honest, the photographers just don't trust anybody. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I think trust is really hard, but I also think there's just this barrier of not, that's why I'm having this podcast, right. And why I love you and in, in having my clients work with you, but there's just this barrier of, of like, how (laughs) just Mm -hmm. like the outsourcing whole thing, because I just remember, and I'm, I, I love that you said it's like a bandaid on a bullet hole because that is so absolutely true. Is that we, there's a lot of things that we feel like will take hours off our plate, like product based things. 
-hmm. but really we need to be out of the day-to-day in our business. Like we need to get ourselves a little bit, you know, hours out of our day-to-day, the answering emails, the managing clients, the, you know, those, those things that you're just doing every single day that we need to start getting out of because with my clients, I want my clients to be able to take some vacation and not like feel guilty all the time for not answering an email or I'm sorry, I haven't answered inquiries guys. Like the amount of Instagram stories, you guys, that you guys, please no, no Instagram stories about not being available or not answering inquiries. It's like the worst thing ever. But yeah, yes, I wouldn't, I wouldn't inquire to that. Photography industry, very common that we're, that people are like, I'm sorry, guys, I'm, I'm need a mental health day, or I'm sorry, guys, I can't answer inquiries. I'm on vacation. You know, it's just, it's kind of like a really big thing, but we feel it's obligation to like every single day, we have to make sure that we're, you know, always checking and always doing those things. But that, that continuous like pressure of having to emails and client management. And are we, are we, you know, are things falling through the cracks? Like, where is this client, especially for managing like 30 clients at a time, that's a lot of clients. And so the employee, you know, having an employee really helps you get out of the day to day of our business. And those are like the real hours that like they, there's so many little things that we do, but they add up. And when somebody else takes those off, it's like, it takes us maybe 20 hours to do one thing. And then it's going to take them like five or 10 hours to do the same thing, maybe even less because we talked about earlier because of the focus. But yeah, I just love how you said it's kind of like a bandaid on a bullet hole. And I love how you defined employee because I just think it gets so melded together and it feels so easy to hire a contractor. But in the long run, like I talked about in the hire and fire cycle, it's not easy because you waste so much money continually hiring and firing people because it's not working out because you can't sit down and train them in your business. Like you're not legally allowed to do that. I'm just like, here's everything in my business. And I'm going to train you on this and train you on this. And here's the SOPs follow every single, you know, single thing to do this. Um, you know, so we just continue to like try to do this. And that's where I, I mean, I spent thousands of dollars just hiring and firing people, hiring and firing people. And it was never working for me. Oh my God. Yeah. The, I think the number that we use this in our marketing a lot, we're actually, we're about to promote our management course again, and we're putting it on Mm -hmm. evergreen this time. And so one of the key tenants is that if you have a specialized employee that's been trained in your business, it will cost you 400% their annual salary to replace them, to get the same result that you're getting after they've been trained. Mm. So, and I'm not like trying to say that like everybody's screwing everybody over or whatever the case may be. There's definitely a couple of elements of like, we have a responsibility to treat people fairly and equitably and to educate them on their rights as an employee. But there's also this other side of it that, you know, is a little bit more emotional, I think. And it comes with, that's where I think we have the the greater risk and the best reward where we, you do pour yourself into your people, but as you get better at being a leader, you don't pour your whole cup out into your person. You pour out a little bit every day because your systems are going to help you to get things off your plate. And then they're going to build on that. And then they're going to build on that. And there are ways to actually guarantee a return on investment for your first hire. So kind of going back to the question a couple of minutes ago, but one of the ways that I love to guarantee ROI on your first hire is to find is to figure out a couple of projects that you need done within your business and have your first hire or your next hire be assigned to complete those projects within their training period. Mm-hmm. So even if they don't, because if we were to hire outside for somebody to build a content bank, for example, or a you know, a workflow system on our, on ClickUp or something like that. It's going to, it's not going to cost you less than $2,000. So if you have a part-time employee that's coming in and you're focused on having them on a three-week training schedule that you usually only have to create once. And then now you have a replaceable employee over the years, 
But within that first three weeks, you're maybe spending somewhere between six and 12 hours with them and you're training them and developing them. They're putting 20 hours into your business. Even if it doesn't work out after their training cycle, they've built you a system that would have cost you thousands of dollars to outsource. And they have such a depth of knowledge that now you can add another layer to that position. So instead of being an operations assistant, now they're an operations coordinator or a project manager because they built you an entire project management system and you gave them the time, not, not just to be trained by you, but trained by other ways of training. Like for example, ClickUp has a university that's free that you can literally just send them a link and it'll teach them how to use the program. And then they can actually adapt that right into your business and the things that you own. And for, you know, normal businesses, we are going to profit off of that because we're not spending money on it. But there's a lot of ways that you can start to see an ROI if you are having them deliver things for clients that you otherwise wouldn't have had. So for a photographer, we'll try to brainstorm a couple things that you can get from your first employee within their training cycle to make sure that we're paying off our fee because it's not cheap to make sure that you have all your HR compliance in order. There's over 1,200 labor laws that we have to consider when we're building out people's organizational structures and their handbooks and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But we, one of our goals is to make sure we're getting that ROI right away. So photographers, right off the top of my head, I'm like, okay, well, this person can be reaching out to previous clients and through a really tactical and straightforward email process or messaging process about booking or about buying products. So prints or books or albums or, you know, whatever the case may be. And then they get to practice interacting with the client building out whatever the album looks like and getting it shipped over to them for quality control. So I think that there's, and even if you could just have them reaching out to clients, getting you on top of like top of mind, you could even have them reaching out to people for referrals and saying, Hey, we created this brand new blog all about your event. It's so beautiful. We're so happy about it. I wanted to send it over to you and see if you know anybody that's getting married that I can send an intro to. And then all of a sudden, even if one person comes back to you, that's a $5,000 package. They already paid for their first two months of employment. Mm -hmm. So there's so many little things that you can do throughout the training process. And a lot of those are very basic tasks that you can just spend an hour explaining how your system works and what you use to fulfill print orders and let them go see what they can figure out. And it's really fun to see how people step into that freedom, but we have to stop thinking we should control everything that they're doing. You know, your systems are the foundation, but that's only 25% of what you're going to get from your team. You know, there's so much more that people will bring you, especially if you're hiring correctly. And if you're hiring in a way that is bringing passionate people towards your own mission and not, you know, I always like to think that my team members that are higher level are like my best mastermind. Like they're my people that I can, they know our, they know our clients, like the back of our hand. They know how to speak to them. They know what they're looking for. They know what problems they're having. They suggest new ideas to me. Like, it's literally like having a mastermind within my own business. That's telling me what our community needs. So I can literally just make up something and sell it based on what my team tells me to do and we'll make money. So Mm -hmm. it's really fun. And it's very empowering to see people really step into what they're doing. And it makes it all worth it. Even like the really crappy days where you're like, Ooh, am I going to make payroll this month? (laughs) But that's the nature of small business. If it's not payroll, it's something else you're going to be worried about. So you might as well try to do your best to make the most of, you know, what you've built. Yes. And I, and when we were talking about the differences between contractor and employee, I know there's extra steps for an employee. So I think those steps can be really scary for people. And this is why, you know, I brought Kira on here because she has a whole business that supports you through this. Um, Kind of tell us how you support people through that process and kind of what that looks like. Yeah. Hiring a professional for this is definitely important. (laughs) 
you're going to take this. Yeah, one. yeah, definitely. I mean, I think that we got into business at the right time because this has really been become a, on the forefront of like your needs and having a business alongside legal within the last couple of years. But we, I think to make it sound a little bit more fun, but it is completely accurate is that we're helping you build your company culture and your company culture is built on you and then your employees. So if you bring somebody into a company culture that isn't fully formed, that's okay. But you do need to make sure that you're bringing everybody up to speed. Once you have established what those policies are, how you want things to look, how you want them to run. It's almost like having a set of workflows or systems within the way that you're interacting with your team and how your company is being built from the inside out. And so we really do want to focus on the company culture because honestly, when I started this business, I thought everybody's employee handbook was going to look the same. I was like, everybody kind of wants the same stuff. Nope, not at all. The questionnaire has gone from three pages in Google drive to like, I don't know, 25 or 30 questions in Dubsado. Like it takes hours to make sure that we're helping people through it. There's so many kind of links between the policies that you want to have in your company the legalities that you have to have in your company and the way that you want it to feel while you're working for your company. And those are overlooked so many times. And so one of the things that we tell people is that we want you to do this sooner because the first person you bring on your team, you obviously want them to succeed. Best case scenarios are with you for a really long time. They move up, they change jobs, they get promoted. And then we have somebody else that comes in underneath them. Are you hired for that third role or fourth role? And we believe in building, you can make a lot of money building a really lean team. You can double and triple your income just by hiring one part-time person and, but you have to do it intentionally. And the way that you're doing that is by building your company culture. But remember that whoever you bring in and how you bring them in is going to indicate what it feels like to work at your company. And it's really hard to go backwards from that. So if you bring someone in and then you're like, this is not how I want it to feel. Once you bring in that third person, it's only going to maximize and elevate and expand what you've already created with your first employee. Mm -hmm. So being able to really indicate, Hey, listen, like I'm bringing you in and I know you did this, so I can say this like pretty guilt-free, but (laughs) I'm bringing in my first employee. I want my culture to feel this way. This is how I want my policies to look. I want the job descriptions to include these types of things. Um, I want the expectations to look like this. And, you know, I want everybody to be onboarded in the same way with the same orientation so that everybody always knew what was expected of them coming into the job. And yes, it did. I think for most companies, one in three people don't work out within the first 90 days, which is totally normal. But I think that there is something really empowering about being able to make hiring decisions and firing decisions when you're not seeing what you've what you've told them that you need to see, especially as women, because we're automatically just going to assume it's our fault. So if you have people that go through a process, know the employee handbook, do the orientation, and they're still not cutting it, you don't have to feel guilty to say, hey, you're not doing that good of a job. And I think it's time that we separate. And I need to find somebody else that can do the job the way that I need it done for my business to function properly. So what it ends up doing, and why I think a lot of women might get burned out about this is because They think that they just have to kind of white knuckle it and figure it out as they go and go through the bad people and be fooled by the bad people and, you know, maybe hire people in that aren't going to do as good of a job or the questions weren't as distinct or the cultural elements weren't quite as laid out. And that's not the case. We can make, I mean, we can make that number go down way lower, especially in small business. I mean, I think with the clients that we worked with, with you, there was three of your clients that we worked with and all three of them have been able to retain and expound upon the people that they hired within 
right away basically and also i think only one of them is not working for them anymore at this point and that's by choice so i think that it's really and it's been a year and a couple months so i think it's really cool to be able to say like out of the three people all three of them stuck and that's way in the numbers out in like corporate and you know stuff like that it but two of them shouldn't have lasted past a couple of months yeah so if you are intentional you can definitely do it i think it's Speaking to that, you know, I think there's lots of fears around hiring people. And I liked how before you talked about the emotional aspect and that's why having like you setting up very specific parameters and the whole culture coming in really helped. Like when I had to deal with like people that weren't working out, that was really difficult. That was really difficult to tell them that they weren't working out, Yeah, but it was easier too, just because I had all that behind me and because they knew what was expected after, you know, they were just finishing up the 90 days of, you know, the 90 day training wheel period. <clears throat> and for a long time, I'm like, is this me? Is this my fault? Like, am I doing something? And, and it just, it was very, very hard to let them go. But for the next time when I had to let people go or whatever, it, it became easier and easier. And it may, it felt the decision felt like, you know, it's not benefiting either of us. If I, if it's, they're not working well for me, like the company, you know, it's, it's like the company's vision, right? The vision, mission values and understanding what that is. I mean, really, really connected to that. And the emotional part can definitely <laughs> feel like yeah. in the way of that, where you feel obligated to mm-hmm. like pay them because yeah. they, you gave them a job and that's yeah. not necessarily it. Like the, you gave them an opportunity and it's towards this goal, towards these mission, this mission for your company. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. They know that like, mm-hmm. they know it, this is what's, what's expected, even though it's hard to tell them it's not going to work out, but when yeah. you do all you can and it doesn't. I feel like the no- knowing that you did all you can to set them up for success to like, that feels really good and okay to let them go if it's not working out, you know? Yeah. yeah. So that was really helpful. It's, it's <laughs> a necessary part. You know, I, we always tell people your policies are your bad, your built in bad cop. So you get to show up and say, well, you know, like we have these very, cause a lot of people will not expect a small business to have their HR together. And they might, we have had many conversations where our clients will pull us in or book us for a one-on-one with their employee. And they'll be like, well, I didn't know that. And it's like, actually you did because we did an orientation and every single person at this company goes through the same one. And the three other people on the team have not had an issue with this, but you have. So it really takes the ownership and puts it on the employee without being unfair. And I think that that can be really empowering for a business owner to be like, I can make decisions that are best for my business without fear. And it does come, it is risky, you know, for a small business owner to expand into their first employee, no matter where you're at in your business, that first step is going to feel like a risk, but there's a responsible way to do it, to make sure that you're protecting your company and protecting yourself and protecting your people. So that when you do have to make those decisions and you will, you will have to let people go even no matter how many times I have had to fire people. It never feels great. But I will say the first time I fired someone to the last time I fired somebody, it was, you know, I slept a lot better that night. You know, you just kind (laughs) of figure it out and you go through it. And I'm not saying like everyone should go out and be jaded because I used to say that if people are getting fired at your company, then it's actually a reflection on you and not on them. And I do think that there's a layer of accountability there, but Mm -hmm. if you have your HR policies and procedures in place and you hire as the best that you can, then you do take it. You've already taken the accountability. So now it's up for the person to to show up and do what they're supposed to do. So you don't have to worry about carrying around guilt and extra emotion that can cost you thousands of dollars in sunken fees. 
And honestly, the thing I see my clients get the most upset about is when they feel that they've been taken advantage of. Mm -hmm. And it really sucks because it's a cycle of resentment that is not helpful for building a business to be like, I've given them everything. And it's like, we haven't given them anything. Giving them a bonus isn't a gift. They earned it. Mm -hmm. Like if you give somebody a bonus the next day, you should forget about it. Like that doesn't mean they owe you anything. And I think if we show up to work every day in service to our people, but we also have set up all these foundational steps, then you can show up confidently and make decisions for your business, even if it feels hard, or even if you're like, I don't know if I'm allowed to do it. And it's ironic because business owners are going into this risky part of their business, hiring their employees for the first time, and they're not doing the steps that they need to make sure that they're protecting their company. And ideally, you know, bringing someone into your business is the riskiest thing you can do. They will know everything about your processes. They will know all about your intellectual property. They'll know about your plans. They'll know about personal things. They'll know your passwords. They'll know a lot about your business. So you really need to be doing everything you can to make sure that you're preparing your company to have that person in there and making sure that you're protecting yourself. And at the end of the day, you have to be able to function at your top level in order to keep the company going so that you can pay your people. And it really, it's really hard to see when women feel that resentment of like, I did so much for them and they still didn't do what I asked. And I'm not saying that from a judgmental place. I'm saying it from a place of like, I talk myself down off the ledge a couple of times because I'm like, what the heck? I gave you every opportunity to do the best that you can. And you still didn't show up for me. And I think at the end of the day, it had nothing to do with me. And it takes a while to learn that. But when I did learn that I started to make really, really good sound business decisions. And truthfully, the other members of my team were really happy about it. They're like, oh, good. We don't have to deal with this weird emotional guilt thing. And we can actually have someone on our team that's doing what they're supposed to be doing. And a lot of our team members won't just come right out and tell us that, but they are waiting for us to show up and be the leader that we signed up to be when we hired them in the first place. So it's really important. And I don't, I'm not out here trying to scare people, but it just keeps getting more and more and more obvious that we need to stay on top of our HR. You need to make sure that you're following labor laws. You need to make sure you're classifying people correctly. And you need to make sure you're getting those audits done before you bring people on in different States, because truthfully you can be digging yourself into a grave or digging yourself into a hole that you won't be able to get your business out of. And that's not what we're trying to do. We're trying to have businesses out here that thrive. I don't need some business and getting a $300,000 fine when and that they can't they have to you know file bankruptcy it takes away all their confidence and they never want to start a business again like I want more female business owners so we have to be able to take it seriously from the beginning and I know I promise you this would be fun and it really is fun like when you are building your policies it's really fun to think about the benefits that you can provide and to think about what it's going to feel like at your team meetings and to think about how you are going to spend your time. All of that goes into your company culture. One of my favorite things to do is to build out the CEO's job description. And we usually do that at the end of the kickoff call because everybody's really freaked out and stressed out. And like, we're about to get onto their compliance and we're like, don't worry, we'll have it for you in three weeks. You just hang out there and we'll be right. We'll be right with you. But to be able to end that call and build out the CEO's job description, have them start seeing what their future self is going to be doing in just a month or so. Once they have all these foundations set, it's so inspirational. We really see people that embrace that role. I know you did too. Like you've had all different types of things going on with your team, some good, some bad, some scary, some terrible, some awesome. And I think that there's a little bit of like, you kind of have to give yourself some credit because you've never been afraid to try new things. Mm -hmm. And I think that if you are afraid, then you're never going to really grow your business, but you can also have a good business if you're a solopreneur, but just know that by default, you are going to be a solopreneur (laughs) if you don't embrace it. So like, I don't know. I mean, that might be a little bit of a crazy rant, but 
the amount of people we've had to help get out of these horrible situations. And it's just, it sucks because these services are like what we do aren't as available for people and people yes. turn away when it comes to HR, but HR is, it's your people, you know, it's the best part of yeah. having a business. And I can tell you like Kira is amazing. It makes all the scary things and lingo that you feel like you don't understand bridges the gap to really bring on that first hire. And, and yeah, we talked about kind of like the fears and scariness that could be around it, but it's, I mean, that is, that is the business, you know, taking those risks are necessary to get to where we want to be. And if we want to step out of solopreneurship, that's like the really serious next step. And it is a business when a lot of us often want it to be like this little hobby. It's no longer that, especially if you're bringing in like six figures already in your business, like it is a business and we got to start allocating that, that money, that investment to, to growth, right. To scalability and and freedom in our business. And so kind of last thing I want to talk about is a big misconception of an employee is that you need to hire someone full-time with benefits and like all these things like stacked and stacked and stacked. And that's, tell us about that. (laughs) Yeah. That's so funny. I was just about to say like, okay, well now I want to like not freak people out and like tell them that it's actually really fun, but hiring an employee is first of all, it's not our decision. So we need to decide. And Dana, with the, through your program, I'm sure that you can help people with this. You need to decide who you need or what you need done in your business in order to make sure that you're maximizing your time. So the first thing I would do is just assume your time is $1,000 an hour. So then no matter who you're hiring, and even if it takes them three times as long, it's still $60. <laughs> so like, it's still going to be less than if you were to do it for an hour. And from there, depending on what those things are that are need- needing done in your business, then it will isolate usually to an employee position. Sometimes it'll be a contractor, in which case, great. We'll talk about this in three months or something. But there, which is totally fine. I mean, you got to build up a little bit, but I think that there is a point where in some businesses, depending on what your goals are, you may go employee before you go contractor, because that's what your business is requiring you to do. And the law will tell you that once you make that decision, then you just have to set a budget. And once you set a budget, then we can actually build a role and create a title and put something together. That's going to fit within your budget and is going to serve to all those needs. So is there initial costs that come with hiring an employee? Absolutely. You know, getting set up in a payroll system, getting your HR sorted. That is an investment for sure. But we have payment plans that are a thousand dollars a month. So it's not like it's that, you know, if you can't pay a thousand dollars a month, then we got to work on your income a little bit more before you're bringing an employee in anyways. Mm-hmm. But there's some, there's a really empowering thing to think like I get to go out there and meet these people now. And if you can't imagine having an employee in your business, it's probably because you don't understand what their title should be or what they should be doing or what they should be allowed to be doing. And that's where I think a good coach or a strategist like us, a people operation strategist can come in and tell you. And oftentimes by the end of our session, we have a totally different idea than what you walked in with and you can still keep it within your budget. So that's why I always like to tell people when we're first building out, you're very first role for your very first person, then it's really important to make sure that we're getting everything on their plate on off of your plate as much as possible. And then we can bring somebody in and build them up to taking all of that on. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes you're going to think it's going to need three or four months of training, but they need two weeks. They just, you find the right person. You will feel inspired. Once you start to see that mesh of the human that you're talking to, that you can see doing the job, hanging out with all the time, talking to on zoom, sending memes on Slack. And then you start to see the magic of what their job description looks like. It's so freaking empowering. And then once you do it once, all your foundations are set to do it forever. So it gives you so much freedom in your business, whether you're going to 
start a mentorship side of your business or a studio side of your business, or maybe you want to start a totally different business altogether, or you want to add in a new service and experiment with it, or you want to try to create a course or, you know, all of these things you're like, well, I always know I can staff it because I know how to hire an employee and figure out exactly what they need to do. And I have this awesome person that can probably take on these additional tasks. Mm -hmm. So I think that it's really, really fun. But one of the things that can be really hard to visualize is that you can have a person in your business working the exact time amount of time you need them to be working for the budget that you need them to be working for. It can be really hard to visualize without, without thinking about a person. And so the only thing I'll caution you on is try to build a role for you and not build a role for a person that you have in mind, because that is, those are the people that don't work out. We've worked with over 70 companies, maybe one contractor to employee, maybe two contractor to employee positions actually worked out for the long run. But there's 92% of people out there that are, and I've said this on a million podcasts at this point, that identify as employees and they need good jobs where they're not going to be sexually harassed. One in three women get sexually harassed at work or they can't take care of their kids or they can't take them and drop them off at school or they can't take a lunch break or they can't, they're not home in time to put their kids to bed. Like we get to actually provide jobs that are going to change that. So your job when you hire an employee becomes less about I'm a photographer and it becomes more about I'm an employer that's providing a living to all these people that are in this with me. And it, it the the level of depth and reward that you feel is just, I mean, a lot of people will say that the first time they hire an employee, it's like the most rewarding thing they've ever done in their business. And there's a lot of freedom that comes with that too for your creativity. So it really is worth it. But you have to take it seriously or you're not going to get to that good, warm, fuzzy feeling at the end. Yeah. And what I was saying in the beginning too is, or what I was saying previously, my question <laughs> was the, a lot of people think that full, that it needs to be a full-time person with benefits, no. but it doesn't. And that's, you you said like you, you figure out the budget, you figure out the exact tasks, right? We set that up in the program, like the exact tasks you need to be delegating or what's in your description of who you need. Yeah. But it doesn't have to look like 40 hours a week. Like it could be 20, it could be 15, it could be whatever you need that's going to be within your budget. Mm-hmm. And I often like my mis- big mis- misconception at first was like, oh, if I hire an employee, it has to be full time with all these benefits. I can't afford that. I can't manage that. You know, contractors are easy because it's like one or two hours a week or, you know, five hours a week or whatever. But it doesn't have to look that way. It could be part-time. It doesn't have to have all these benefits. I think it's really just more about like setting expectations for who's coming in and who you're hiring and they know what they're, they're getting and their hours and and so forth. And yeah. And it's an investment, you know, like it's not something that you're throwing money out the window or you're trying something that you're not sure if it's going to work. Like it is going to work. Like you're going to have things taken off your plate and it's. It's just crazy because I've seen so many businesses hold themselves back or do things that they hate doing to the point of burnout because they don't want to accept that they have to hire an employee because it sounds so freaking scary. But yeah, you can. And then when you have that budget set and you can stand behind it, it takes so much fear out of the hiring process. You know, like you can you're like, yeah, I already know I can afford this. So I'm going to do my best with what we have here. And you start to see results really quickly, especially for that first hire. And we've heard things like this is my dream life. I can't believe that I get have time to go actually do the things I want to do. I've been able to sell more. I mean, I'm a great example of it. Just being able to like bite the bullet and hire internally for roles that I previously didn't think I needed to hire for. And our sales went up almost immediately with just the mindset of like, like I know I can show up for these clients for these really high level packages that I wasn't selling before yeah. because I was holding myself back from knowing that I could serve them in the way that I knew they needed to ser- be served. 
and having somebody on our team that could do some of those kind of more entry level basic tasks that I was doing on my own was such a mistake for so long. Like I'm passionate about this because I did it, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the, the amount that you can do with just, you know, 10 to 20 hours a week of somebody else doing tasks insane. I mean, one of my clients, and I'll probably have her on the podcast soon, but I mean, she, for like almost like eight or nine years, she was, well, she was a contractor and then she became a photographer, which is still contracted work, yeah. but she just, she didn't have a vacation for that long. Like oh my God. she's a single mom now. And she now just works a few hours a day. And she's like, I work in the morning. Cause she wakes up the crack of dawn. She's crazy. I work in the morning and then I go spend the rest of the time with my son and chill out. But that's just insane because that's how just one person working part-time can do that in your business and just really shrink down the work that you have to do every single day and not have to, you know, she can prioritize her life. And that's, you know, it's not just our business, but it's our life. And if, you know, I don't care. I always tell my clients, I don't care about your booked up calendar. I don't care. Give a crap about how much money you're making. If you're suffering to make that money, like <laughs> if you're yeah. absolutely not surviving every busy season, that's not, I don't care about that. Yeah. Right. That's, that's so, and then the women that deal with that for a long period of time, sorry, my dog's upset about something. Uh, they quit, they quit their business. And then there's one less one female business owner out there that is providing an environment for people to work and to serve our clients. And it's not, it's not going to help change anything that we're seeing out there right now. If we don't get more women in seats that make decisions, especially for other people. I hear it sometimes from photographers, like, why would anybody, I think it was one of your clients too. Why would, but why would somebody want this job? And it's like, there's a lot of people out there that would love to have this job. And you're like, I don't want to mistreat them. And it's like, well, the only people that are mistreated are doing this job and they're contractors. (laughs) So like people want to do this work. They're passionate about it. We just, as CEOs, we cannot see past our own viewpoint sometimes. And I can't tell you how many times we've had clients that have come in to like working with us. And then the second they start to realize all the things that they could be doing instead, it starts to open up a whole nother level of creativity. Sorry, my husband's yelling at me about something and I'm like, what? Okay. <laughs> He's asking me for recording. I'm like, yeah. Anyway, so that's what it's like to work at home. But I forgot what I was saying. <laughs> no, I love that. I love that. Yeah. No, I am- <laughs> oh, people people want the jobs. They want to work for you. Yes, they yes, want yes. the jobs and they not won't apply if they don't. Everyone wants their own company. <laughs> You're not going to be forcing somebody to do something they don't want to do. Like it's just straight up like you are providing a space for people to earn a living in a safe place. And I think entrepreneurs, we just think other entrepreneurs are going to be applying for it. And it's like, no, go ahead and put your job ad out there and let's see what happens. And then 300 wow. applicants later, they're like, oh, people do want to work here. <laughs> Yeah. Not everyone's, not everyone's an entrepreneur and wants to be one. I think most people don't want to be one. I think there's very special people that are entrepreneurs and that's what we want to really help you be successful at because it is a beautiful opportunity. Yeah. It is an easy opportunity to, to hire someone on as an employee and have them on your team, like your actual team and to work together towards something. I mean, I mean, that's, you know, Ascend Together is my company name because I believe like we, we cannot do this alone in business and life. Like we cannot, we have to do it with other people with together. Like that's how we just get better, better, better life, better quality of life, better business is by doing it with other people. Um, because we just have all, we have so much individuals as individuals to bring to the table. 
Yeah. That, you know, one of my favorite things about having an employee is, is the perspectives and the ideas and the skill sets that are just so different, but so just adds to my business. Right. Yeah. And yeah, that I, I love cannot, that. because I'm one individual, but having a second individual with totally different skill set, totally different mindset and, and perspective is just such an amazing addition to the team. It's not like maybe in, you know, maybe it's not measurable per se, but it's like, I mean, I guess it is in the end, but just the quality of, of, of how we're creating together and how we're, you know, executing things are just, it's just a whole other level. And I know you said like, it's like your own mastermind, but it's really true. Yeah. And I mean, there's something really special about being able to look at your team and know that you contributed to what they know and the value that they're bringing and how it always comes back around. Like even those entry level positions, like being able to have to hear their ideas or to see how they're adding that depth of value or, you know, whatever the case may be. Like, I'm not out here convincing people like you got to build. That's why I said in the beginning, like you got to build a business this specific way, blah, blah, blah. But I'm assuming that if people are listening to this, they might need a little bit of tough love shoving them in the direction of you've got this, you can do it. There is such a different level of commitment that comes from employees. And I wish that everybody had to hire an employee first, even though it is more money and time so that they can understand like what it's like. Cause I, I think the best teams are supplemented by contractors and employees. But yeah. when I'm working with contractors, I'm always frustrated that I can't be like, Hey, I need this design updated by tomorrow. Yeah. Or Hey, I needed that by next Monday. You know, that's when we're launching this. And when you start to kind of have a really solid team, then it helps you to utilize those contractors even more effectively and efficiently. And it really is a cheaper way to have a business anyways, is to make sure that you have those employees because you have complete control over what that budget is. So I'm not here to convince anyone, but I am here to say that yeah, if you want to grow, you can sure do it. All the information to the front. Uh, yeah. Um, we're not gatekeeping. About just like the benefits of employees is Yes, like in my program, we streamline as much as we can with just me as your coach and and you going through your business. But when you have somebody else come into your business, the how do you say like the quality of of like the inner workings of your business and how much you learn about your own business <laughs> and yeah. like just like the quality of the inner workings because the things that I had to break down to teach my employee, I would have never done that because it was just me. Right. Yeah. But yeah. when I broke it down, I was like, Oh, this can be stripped out. This can be taken. This can be automated. Like, why do I have it this way? And they made the process like 10 times better because I had to yeah. teach it to somebody and then they're going to learn it and they're going to make it better. And so yeah. it's also not just you making your business better, but you have this whole other person that's going to like see some, you know, things that can be taken out, see some things that can be automated or done this certain way. You know, that's why you bring people in who like, for example, one of my clients, brought in someone who's more techie and with systems and helped her build amazing systems, even though she had to let her go eventually. But she built, we were talking the other day, she built these systems that were just like insane that she can now replicate and use over and over again that, you know, her employee's not there anymore. And, you know, that's, you know, because her business changed a little bit. She had all these things built out that she can mm -hmm. use as, you know, her, her as a solopreneur. At yeah. This and well, that's kind of the thing is that your employee isn't always going to be there. Like your person yeah. isn't always going to be there. Yeah. Like that's okay. Like it's we okay. want to get retention out of people as long as it serves the business. Yes. But I think there's also something really cool to say, like if you have clients that are really underwater or for me, I had to figure this out because I had a full-time job when I was starting my business. So I had to make it so that I never had to talk to anybody until I could get on the computer at eight at night or whatever. Yeah. And those systems have carried over as I've had more time and we've kept some of that asynchronicity and, you know, whatever. But 
you can put out in your job post, like something really straightforward. Like I need somebody to help out, to help build out my workflows. I want somebody that's going to come into my business. Here's our mission. Here's our values. Here's who we serve, but I need somebody that's going to come in here and clean up shop. Yeah. And I've got 10 to 12 hours of budget a week. I'm going to have you sign an NDA. And I want you to be alongside me, a partner while we build these systems. And then to help me to continue to grow with them. Like you can just put that in your job description if you want to. And I think it's really empowering because your people can always meet you where you're at and you don't have to become someone else. And one of the critical components of leadership is that when you're leading other people, it's truly a mirror looking yes. like you have to look back at what you're putting out there in the world. And it forces you to see things in yourself that maybe you didn't want to see, but are inevitably going to be a benefit for you in the long run. Oh, yeah. And it takes a really unique person to be able to provide a place for that prioritizes the needs of others while not sacrificing their own needs. And those are the business owners that are lasting out there. And so I think it's really fun to kind of, I know we're going over time, but I think it's, it can be really fun to think about how your business can grow. And that's truly what HR and people operations are. It's not about what your people are going to do for you tomorrow. It's really about how's your business going to grow over time and that you are prepared to take on those changes, move and flex. And I mean, we did your stuff a couple of years ago and I'm sure you have full confidence that you could bring someone in and have them follow your policies. And although your business has changed, your culture hasn't, and you as a leader have grown, but your company is still standing for what it stood for back in two years ago. And that's what we're trying to build. We're trying to encourage more women to do it because it, it really is a difference of quality over quantity. Oh, before we go, I did hear this quote the other day. So there's this book, it's called business, something Lewis Schiff business, brilliant. And it's about how putting a bandaid on a bullet hole is a middle-class mindset. And you'll never be able to grow unless you fully invest more than maybe what you think you can afford. So I think it's a little bit kitschy in a sense of like, you know, invest and then you'll be rich. But I think that's how it is with hiring. Like you have to like truly invest in quality in your business, not just quantity. And that's, what's going to set this foundation. And I've been like catching myself all the time being like, I'll just do that myself. And it's like, it's 1130 on a Saturday. Like, what are you doing? Like in Canva, get out of here. Like you need to delegate this to your graphic designer, (laughs) you know, like, so it's all, we're all on this journey together, but yeah, I heard that the other day. And I was, I I love that quote because it's exactly actually my upcoming webinar. actually actually exactly what I'm talking about which is the middle market exit plan like nice exiting the middle market because the middle market is a stuck place for photographers it's, it's stuck place and it's like you know I'm satisfied here I'm comfortable here and it's like some people are great there but for a lot of the lifestyle that people want which is a lot more freedom and and less working 24 7 hustle type yeah. lifestyle it's really stepping out of that middle market for quality quality of your service, but, you know, quality of your service also means, you know, expanding support, expanding support, people support, system support, and so forth, because we can't be offering those type of high level services when we're doing it all ourselves, barely surviving, right? Yeah. Yeah. And the quality services are what bring you referrals, which is the lowest- that cost of client acquisition. So it all comes back, but yeah, anyway. Well, it was such a great conversation. I knew this would be a juicy long podcast. (laughs) So much to cover and we're both very talkative people. (laughs) Yeah. And we have that history. So we can always talk about stuff we've been through together too, which is really fun. (laughs) Yeah. But I feel like this was very informational. We talked about a lot about just like the inner workings with bringing someone on the benefits and just you know, what you're getting into when you go into hiring and it can feel scary. It can feel like, okay, this is a big responsibility, but there's people like Kira (laughs) who Mm -hmm. can support you through this process, you know, through the program that I set up, 
the goal, like me and Kira have this goal of like bridging this gap for all of you from solopreneurship to, to bring on team members that can really benefit your business and life. So we're on a mission together with that. <laughs> yes, we are. I love and it. I, and yeah, I with my clients and they've been amazingly successful with their first hire. So I cannot wait to talk again soon. Cause I know you'll come in my program. We'll do some kind of live with everyone in the program and hopefully another retreat, maybe 2024. <laughs> Oh my God. Your retreats are amazing. I had, I mean, I was there to help you lead the retreat and I had so many breakthroughs. Like, I just think that you as a coach and a leader of your clients and your people are just, I don't know. I just have nothing but amazing things to say. So I can't wait to come in your group and see all the other people you've been affecting, but yeah. Awesome, Kara. Thank you so much.